caviar.com. Treat yourself to a tasting at home. Introducing Petite Caviar 101. Caviar, truffles, and more. Providing the world's best caviar for over 30 years. Sustainable caviar, seasonal delights, boutique grocery, family-owned and operated. Provide to proud to supply the highest quality caviar available for over 30 years. 100% sustainable caviar. Israeli Oestro, Belgian Oestra, Idaho White Sturgeon, Siberian Sturgeon, Paddlefish, Ikea. National overnight shipping, guaranteed national next day overnight shipping, Tuesday through Saturday. Same day local pickup, local pickup and curbside for Seattle, ready within two hours, Monday through Saturday. Next day local delivery, guaranteed next day local delivery for Seattle, Monday through Friday. Shop groceries such for such items like Bellwether Farms, Farms Cream Fresh, Betsy's Blink, Gluten-Free Betsy's Blink, Block Truffle Butter, White Truffle Oil, La Brujula, Yellow Finafina Belly and Olive Oil, Russell's Original Spice Blend, Truffle Salt, uh, Hosting Wear Products, Mother of Pearl Caviar Spoon, Mother of Pearl Spoon with Blue Handle, Great Barrier Reef Petite Span with Pointed Tip, Round Mother of Pearl Palette, Caviar Presentoir with Sterling Band, Petite Mother of Pearl Caviar Spoon, St. Hillet Modern Caviar Presentoir, Francis Saturn Silver Plated Caviar Cup, Homemade Recipes and More, Minced Potato Rosti with Caviar and Cream Fresh, Devil Quail Eggs with Caviar, Blink with Buckwheat. Bartleby.com, an easier way to study hard. Ask a question. You have homework questions, and Bartleby subject matter experts have answers. Ask away. Most questions are answered in as fast as 30 minutes, and you'll be notified by email when your answer is ready. Find a solution. Proofread your paper. Bartleby experts will look over your paper with their advanced grammar and spell checkers. Bartleby Learn, access step-by-step solutions. Two millions of textbook problems, a searchable database of solutions to homework questions, and subject matter experts on standby 27 when you're stuck. Bartleby Write. Write better right now. Scan for accidental plagiarism, check spelling, grammar, and format citations correctly so you can spend less time writing and get the grade you want. Bartleby Tutor, 24-7 online tutoring service, gives you personalized instruction you want and the flexibility you demand with convenient options you can find these best fit for your lifestyle and study habits. Bartleby Learn. Search, solve, succeed. 60. Study smarter with access to millions of step-by-step textbook solutions, a social digital database of homework solutions, and subject matter experts on standby 24-7 to provide homework help when you need it. Subscribe and your first week is four ninety nine. After your first week subscription auto renews monthly to nine ninety nine USD or then or the then monthly current free fee. Cancel any time. Winning lineup of student tools, textbook solutions, millions of step by step solutions with thousands of added daily in thirty subjects. Expert Q and A. Ask their ask Bartleby's experts your most troublesome homework or study questions anytime and receive a detailed solution on a, in as fast as thirty minutes. 
24-7 24/7 homework help. Bartleby subject matter experts, many with advanced degrees, are always on standby to ease your concerns and get you back on track. Solution database. Homework solutions are easily searchable and constantly updated. Quickly find what you need, save it for later, and access it from a mobile device. Try it today. Study on the go. Problem solved. Problems solved. Maximize your study time and get homework help anytime, anywhere with the Bartleby app. Ask us. Ask or snap a homework question, search textbook solutions, and get answer notifications right from your device. Download it on the App Store or Google Play. Bartleby Wright, compose with confidence. Quit staring at a blinking cursor. Easy, easier essay composition is right here with your new favorite pleasure and grammar checker. Their all-in-one writing help tool is designed to reduce mistakes, improve writing habits, and Transform OK essays into stellar ones so you can submit your paper with confidence all for only $9.99 a month. Try Bartleby Write. 24-7 personal writing tutor. Plagiarism checker. Bartleby will help you catch missing citations, accidental copy text, and other mistakes, giving you supreme confidence in your original work. Grammar and spell checker. Author your own success story with writing help to eliminate mistakes. Early scoring. Bartleby's Advanced Algorithm scans your paper and compares it to thousands of similar papers to produce a score before you turn it in. Citation assistance, whether it's MLA grammar checks or APA assistance, citing source in a cinch, try it today. Bartleby Tutor, one-on-one tutoring on your schedule, whether it's a one-time question or a homework problem that needs a private study session solution, Bartleby's got you. Their Bartleby's team of live tutors are available 24-7. Get started today with a free 15-minute session on them. Find a tutor. Get a tutor on your computer. All tutoring sessions occur in real time via messaging or audio for easy collaboration on homework, help, textbook solutions, and more. 24-7 availability. Tutors are on demand day or night and can accommodate your school and life balance. When you're ready to study, so is Bartleby. Flexible options. Don't pay for tutoring time you won't use by 30, 60, 120 minute increments. Whichever best fits your needs. Didn't use all your minutes? Roll them over to another session. Many subjects. Tutors are available in over 20 subjects. Bartleby experts will help make sense of the toughest concepts in engineering, math, physics, business, and more. Find a tutor ready to get started. Sign up for 24-7 homework help now. Good morning. Hope you're ready for another president, number 27. William Howard Taft, part one. William Howard Taft, September 15, 1857 to March 8, 1930, was the 27th president of the United States, 1909-1913, and the 10th Chief Justice of the United States, 1921 to 1930, the only person to have held both offices. Taft was elected president in 1908, the chosen successor of Theodore Roosevelt, but was defeated for re-election by Woodrow Wilson in 1912 after Roosevelt split the Republican vote by running as a third-party candidate. In, in 1921, President Warren G. Hardy appointed Taft to be Chief Justice, a position in which he served until a month before his death. Taft was born in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1857. His father, Alfonso Taft, was a U.S. Attorney General and Secretary of War. Taft attended Yale and, like his father, 
was a member of Skull and Bones. After becoming a lawyer, Taft was appointed a judge while still in his 20s. He continued to Robert Rice, being named Solicitor General and as a judge of the Sixth, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. In 1901, President William McKinley appointed Taft civilian governor of the Philippines. In 1904, Roosevelt made him Secretary of War and he became Roosevelt's hand-picked successor. Despite his personal ambition to become Chief Justice, Taft declined repeated offers of appointment to the Supreme Court of the United States, believing his political work was more important. With Roosevelt's help, Taft had little opposition for the Republican nomination for president in 1908 and easily defeated William Jennings Bryan for the presidency in that November's election. In the White House, he focused on East Asia more than European affairs and repeatedly intervened to prop up or remove, or remove Latin American governments. Taft sought reductions to trade tariffs in a major source of governmental income, but re resulting bill was heavily influenced by special interests. His administration was filled with conflict between the conservative wing of the Republican Party, with which Taft often sympathized, and the progressive wing toward which Roosevelt Moore moved more and more. Controversies over conservation and antitrust cases filled, filed by the Taft administration served to further separate the two men. Roosevelt challenged Taft for nomination for renomination in 1912. Taft used his control of the party machine to gain a bare majority of delegates, and Taft bolted to the party. And Roosevelt bolted the party. The split left Taft with little chance of re-election, and he took only Utah and Vermont in Wilson's victory. After leaving office, Taft returned to Yale as a professor, continuing his political activity and working against war through the League of the, through the League to enforce peace. In 1921, President Harding appointed Taft as Chief Justice at an office that he had long sought. Chief Justice Taft was a conservative on business issues, and and under him were, there were advances in individual rights. In poor health, he resigned in February 1930 and died the following month. He was buried at Arlington National Cemetery, the first president and, and free, first Supreme Court Justice to be interred there. Taft is generally listed near the middle in historians' rankings of U.S. presidents. Early life and education. William Howard Taft was born September 15, 1857, in Cincinnati, Ohio, to Alfonso Taft and Louise Torrey. The Taft family was not wealthy, living in a modest home in the suburb of Mount Auburn. Alfonso served as a judge, ambassador, as a judge, ambassador, and in the cabinet as War Secretary and Attorney General under Ulysses S. Grant. William Taft was not seen as brilliant as a child, but as a hard worker. Taft's demanding parents pushed him and his four brothers toward success, tolerating nothing less. He attended Woodward High School in Cincinnati at Yale College, which he entered in 1874. The heavyset jovial Taft was popular and was an Intramural heavyweight wrestling champion, one classmate described him succeeding through hard work rather than being the smartest and as having integrity. In 1878, Taft graduated second in his class out of 121. He attended Cincinnati Law School and graduated with a Bachelor of Laws in 1880. While in law school, he worked on the Cincinnati Commercial Newspaper edited by Murat Halstead. Taft was assigned to cover the local courts and also spent time reading law in his father's office. Both activities gave him practical knowledge of the law and that was not taught in class. Shortly before graduating from law school, Taft went to the state capital of Columbus to take the bar examination and easily passed. 
Rising Government, 1880-1908, Ohio Lawyer and Judge. After admission to the Ohio Bar, Taft devoted himself to his job as a commercial full-time. House Tubb was willing to take him on permanently at an increased salary if he would give up the law, but Taft declined. In October 1880, Taft was appointed assistant prosecutor for Hamlin County, where Cincinnati is located, and took office the following January. Taft served for a year as an assistant prosecutor, trying his share of routine cases. He he resigned in January 1882 after President Chester A. Arthur appointed him collector of internal revenue for Ohio's 1st District and area center on Cincinnati. Taft refused to dismiss competent employees who were politically out of favor and resigned effective in March 1883, writing to Arthur that he wished to begin private practice in Cincinnati. In 1884, Taft campaigned for the Republican candidate for president, Maine Senator James G. Blaine, who lost to New York Governor Grover Cleveland. In 1887, Taft, then aged 29, was appointed to a vacancy on the Superior Court of Cincinnati by Governor Joseph B. Foraker. The appointment was good for just over a year, after which he would have to face the voters, and in April 1888, he sought election for the first uh, three times in his lifetime, the other two being for the presidency. He was elected to a full five-year term, some two dozen of Taft's opinions as a state judge survived, the most significant being Moore's and Company versus Bricklayer's Union, number one, 1889, if only because it was used against him when he ran for president in, 18, in 1908. The case involved bricklayers refused to work for any firm that dealt with a company called Parker Brothers, in, with which they were in dispute. Taft ruled that the union's action amounted to a secondary boycott, which was illegal. It was not clear when Taft met Helen Heron, often called Nellie, but it was no later than 1880 when she mentioned in her diary receiving an invitation to a party from him. By 1884, they were meeting regularly, and in 1885, after an initial rejection, she agreed to marry him. The wedding took place at the Heron home on June 19, 1886. William Taft remained devoted to his wife throughout their almost 44 years of marriage. Nellie Taft pushed her house as much as his parents had, and she could be very frank with her criticism. The couple had three children, with the, of whom the eldest, Robert, became a U.S. Senator. Solicitor General There was a seat vacant on the U.S. Supreme Court in 1889, and Governor Forwicker suggested President Harrison appoint Taft to fill it. Taft was 32, and his professional goal was always a seat on the Supreme Court. He actually sought the appointment writing to Forwicker to urge the governor to press his case, while stating to others it was unlikely he could get it. Instead, in 1890, President appointed him Solicitor General of the United States. When Taft arrived in Washington in February 1890, the office had been vacant two months. With the work piling up, he worked to eliminate the backlog while simultaneously educating himself on federal law and procedure he had not needed as an Ohio State judge. New York Senator William M. Evart, the former Secretary of State, had been a classmate of Alfonso Taft at Yale. Evart called to see his friend's son as soon as Taft took office, and William and Nellie Taft were launched into Washington society. Nellie Taft was ambitious for herself and her husband and was annoyed when the people he socialized with most were mainly Supreme Court justices rather than the arbiters of Washington society, such as Theodore Roosevelt, John Hay, Henry Cabot Lodge, and their wives. Although Taft was successful as Solicitor General, when in 15 of the 18 cases he argued before the Supreme Court, 
He was glad when, in March 1891, the United States Congress created a new judge for each of the United States Courts of Appeal, and Harrison appointed him to the Sixth, Sixth Circuit based in Cincinnati. In March 1892, Taft resigned as Solicitor General to resume his judicial career. Federal Judge Taft's federal judgeship was a lifetime appointment and one from which promotion to the Supreme Court might come. Taft's older brother, older half-brother Charles, successful in business, supplemented Taft's government salary, allowing William and Nellie Taft and their family to live in comfort. Taft's duties involved hearing trials in the circuit, which include Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, and Tennessee, and participating with Supreme Court Justice John Marshall Harlan, the circuit justice and judges of the Sixth Circuit in hearing appeals. Taft spent three years from 1892 to 1900. Well, Taft spent these years from 1892 to 1900 in personal and professional contentment. According to historian Louis L. Gould, while Taft shared the fears about social unrest that dominated the middle classes during the 1890s, he was not a conservative as his critics believed. He supported the right of labor to organize and strike, and he ruled against employers in several negligence cases. Among these was Voight v. Baltimore and Ohio Southwestern Railway Company. Taft's decision to a worker injured in a railroad accident violated the contemporary doctrine of liberty of contract, and he was reversed by the Supreme Court. On the other hand, Taft's opinion in United States v. Addison Pipe and Steel Company was upheld unanimously by the High Court. Taft's opinion, in which he held that a Pipe Manufacturers Association had violated the Sherman Antitrust Act, was described by Henry Pringles, his biographer, as having definitely and specifically revived that legislation. In 1896, Taft became Dean and Professor of Property at his alma mater, the Cincinnati Law School, a post that required him to prepare and give two-hour-long lectures each week. He was devoted to his law school and was deeply committed to legal education, introducing the case method to the curriculum. As a federal judge, Taft could not involve himself with politics but followed it closely, remaining a Republican supporter. He watched with some discipline as the campaign of Ohio Governor William McKinley developed in 1894 and 1895, writing, I cannot find anybody in Washington who wants him. By March 1896, Taft realized that McKinley would likely be appointed would be nominated and was lukewarm in his support. He landed solidly in McKinley's camp at the former Nebraska Representative William Jennings Bryan in July stampeded the 1896 Democratic National Convention with his Cross of Gold speech. Bryan, both in that address and in his campaign, strongly advocated free silver, a policy that Taft saw as economic radicalism. Taft feared that pe people would hoard gold in anticipation of a Bryan victory, but he could do nothing but worry. Kent McKinley was elected, won a place on the Supreme Court opening in 1898, and the only one under McKinley, the president named Joseph McKenna. From the 1890s until his death, Taft played a major role in the international legal community. He was active in many organizations, was a leader in the worldwide arbitration movement, and taught international law at the Yale Law School. One of the reasons for his bitter break was Roosevelt in 1910-1912. Roosevelt insisted that arbitration was naive and that only war could decide major international disputes. Philippine Years In January 1900, Taft was called to Washington to meet with McKinley. Taft hoped the Supreme Court appointment was in the works, but instead McKinley wanted to place Taft on the commission to organize a civilian government in the Philippines. The appointment would require Taft's resignation from the bench. The President assured him that if he fulfilled his task, McKinley would appoint him to the next vacancy on the High Court. Taft accepted on condition he was made head of the commission with Responsibility for success or failure 
But McKinley agreed and tapped sail for sail for the island in 19, April 1900. The, the, the American takeover meant the Philippine Revolution bled into the Philippine-American War as Filipinos fought for their independence, but U.S. forces led by military governor General Arthur MacArthur Jr. had the upper hand by 1900. MacArthur felt the commission was a nuisance and their mission a chaotic attempt to impose self-government on the people unready for it. The general was forced to cooperate with Taft as McKinley had given the commission control over the island's military budget. The, the commission took executive power in the Philippines on September 1st, 1900. On July 4th, 1901, Taft became a civilian governor. MacArthur, until then, the McKin military governor was relieved by General Adna Chaffee, who was designated only as a commander of American forces. Taft sought to make the Filipinos Partners of the venture that will lead to their self-government, he saw independence as something decades off. Many Americans in the Philippines viewed the locals as racial inferiors, but Taft wrote soon before his arrival, We propose to banish this idea from their minds. Taft did not impose racial segregation at official events and treated the Philippines as social equals. Nellie Taft recalled that neither politics nor race should influence our hospitality in any way. McKinley was assassinated in September 1901 and was succeeded by Theodore Roosevelt. Taft and Roosevelt had first became become friends in 1890, while Taft was Solicitor General and Roosevelt a member of the Civil Service Commission. Taft had, after McKinley's election, urged the appointment of Roosevelt as Assistant Secretary of the Navy and Washington. Roosevelt became a war hero. Governor of New York and Vice President of the United States, they met again when Taft went to Washington in January 1902 to recuperate after two operations caused by an infection. There, Taft testified for the Senate Committee on the Philippines. Taft wanted Filipino farmers to have a stake in a new government through land ownership, but much of the arable land was held by Catholic religious orders of mostly Spanish priests, which were often resented by the Filipinos. Roosevelt had Taft go to Rome to negotiate with Pope Leo XIII to, re to purchase the lands and to arrange the withdrawal of the Spanish priests with Americans replacing them and training locals as clergy. Taft did not succeed in resolving these issues on his visit to Rome, but an agreement on both points was made in 1903. In late 1902, Taft, was heard, Taft had heard from Roosevelt that a seat on the Supreme Court would soon fall vacant on the resignation of George, Justice George Sheridan, and Taft desired that Taft fill it. Although this was Taft's professional goal, he refused as he felt his work as governor was not yet done. The following year, Roosevelt asked Taft to become Secretary of War. As the War Department administered the Philippines, Taft would remain responsible for the islands and the Elihu route. The incumbent was willing to postpone his his departure until 1904, allowing Taft to wrap up his work in Manila. After consulting with his family, Taft agreed and sailed for the United States in December 1903. Secretary of War When Taft took office as Secretary of War in January 1904, he was not called upon to spend much time administering the Army which the president was content to do himself. Roosevelt wanted Taft as a troubleshooter in difficult situations as a legal advisor and to be able to give campaign speeches as he sought election in his own right. 
Taft strongly defended Roosevelt's record in his addresses and wrote of the president's successful but strenuous efforts to gain election. I would not run for president if you guaranteed the office. It is awful to be afraid of one shadow. Between 1905 and 1907, Taft came to terms with the likelihood he would be the next Republican nominee for president, though he did not plan to actually campaign for it. When Justice Henry B. Brown resigned in 1905, Taft would not accept the seat, although Taft offered it a position Taft held to when another seat opened in 1906. Either Roosevelt, the first lady, disliked the growing closeness between the two men, feeling that they were too much alike and that the president did not gain much from the advice of someone who rarely contradicted him. Alternatively, Taft wanted to be Chief Justice and kept a close eye on the health of the aging incumbent, Melville Fuller, who turned 75 in 1908. Taft believed Fuller likely to live many years. Roosevelt had indicated he was likely to appoint Taft if the opportunity came to fill the court's center seat, but some considered Attorney General Philander Knox a better candidate. In any event, Fuller remained Chief Justice throughout Roosevelt's presidency. Through the 1903 separation of Panama from Columbia and the hay buno Virella Treaty, the United States had secured rights to build a canal in the Isthmus of Panama. Legislation authorizing construction did not specify which government department would be, held, would be responsible and Roosevelt designated the Department of War. Taft journeyed to Panama in 1904, viewing the canal site and meeting with Panamanian officials. The Ismian Canal Commission had trouble keeping a chief engineer, and when in February 1907 John D. Stevens submitted his resignation, Taft recommended an Army engineer, George W. Gothos. Under Gothos, the project moved ahead smoothly. Another colony lost by Spain in 1898 was Cuba, but its freedom for Cuba had been a major purpose of the war. It was not annexed by the U.S., but was, as a period of occupation, given independence in 1902. Election fraud and corruption followed as did factual conflict. In September 1906, President Tom Tomas Estrada Palma asked for U.S. intervention. Taft traveled to Cuba with a small American force, and on September 29, 1906, 1906, under the terms of the Cuban-American Treaty of Relations of 1903, declared himself provisional governor of Cuba, a post he held for two weeks before being succeeded to by Charles Edward Magoon. In his time in Cuba, Taft worked to persuade Cubans that the U.S. intended of stability, not occupation. Taft remained involved in Philippine affairs. During Roosevelt's election campaign in 1904, he urged that Philippine Agricultural products be admitted to the U.S. without in, without duty. This caused growers of U.S. sugar and tobacco to complain to Roosevelt, who re remonstrated with his Secretary of War. Taft expressed unwillingness to change his position and threatened to resign. Roosevelt hastily dropped the matter. Taft returned to the island in 1905, leading a delegation of congressmen, and again in 1907 to open the first Philippine Assembly. On both of those. Philippine trips the Secretary of War, Taft went to Japan and met with officials there. The meeting in July 1905 came a month before the Congress, which would end the Russo-Japanese War with the Treaty of Portsmouth. Taft met with Japanese Prime Minister Katsuro Taro. After the meeting, the two signed a memorandum. It contained nothing new, but instead reaffirmed official positions. Japan had no intention to invade the Philippines and the U.S. that it did not object to Japanese control of Korea. There were, there were U.S. concerns about the number of Japanese laborers coming to the American West Coast, and during Taft's second visit in September 1907, Tadusa Hayashi, the foreign minister, informally agreed to issue fewer P-51 
passports to them. President's solution of 1908, gaining the nomination. Roosevelt has served almost three and a half years of McKinley's term on the night of his own election in 1904. Roosevelt publicly declared he would not run for re-election in 1908, a pledge he quickly regretted, but he felt bound by his word. Roosevelt believed Taft was his logical successor, although the Secretary of War, Secretary, although War Secretary was initially reluctant to run. Roosevelt used his control of the party machinery to aid his heir apparent on pain of loss of their jobs, political appointees were required to support Taft or remain silent. A number of Republican politicians, such as Treasury Secretary George Cortelyou, tested the waters for a run but chose to stay out. New York Governor Charles Evans Hughes ran, but when he made a major policy speech, Roosevelt the same day sent a special message to Congress warning in strong terms against corrupt, corporate corruption. The resulting coverage of the presidential message relegated Hughes to the back pages. Roosevelt reluctantly deterred repeated attempts to draft him for another term. Assistant Postmaster General Frank H. Hitchcock resigned from his office in February 1908 to lead the Taft effort. In April, Taft made a speaking tour, traveling as far west as Omaha before recalled to go to Panama and to straighten out a contested election. At the 1908 Republican National Convention in Chicago in June, there was no serious opposition to him, and he gained a first a first ballot victory. Yet Taft did not have things his own way. He had hoped his running mate would be a Midwestern progressive like Iowa Senator Jonathan Dolliver, but instead the convention named Congressman James S. Sherman of New York a, a conservative. Taft resigned the Secretary of War on June 30th to vote himself full-time to the campaign. General Election Campaign Taft's opponent in the general election was Bryan, the, the Democrat nominee for the third time in four presidential elections. As many of Roosevelt's reforms stemmed from proposals by Bryan, the Democrat argued that he was the true heir to Roosevelt's mantle. Corporate contributions to federal political campaigns had been outlawed by the 1907 Hillman Tillman Act, and Bryan proposed that contributions by officers and directors of corporations be similarly banned or at least disclosed when made. Taft was only willing to see the contributions disclosed at the election and tried to ensure that officers and, and directors of corporations litigating with the government were not among his contributors. Nineteen oh eight Taft Sherman poster. Taft began the campaign on the wrong foot, fueling the arguments of those who said he was not his own man by traveling to Roosevelt's home at Sagamore Hill for advice on his acceptance speech, saying that he needed the president's judgment and criticism. Taft supported most of Roosevelt's policies. He argued that labor had a right to organize but not boycott and that corporations and the wealthy must also obey the law. Bryan wanted the railroads to be owned by the government, but Taft preferred that they remain in the private sector with their maximum rate rates set by the Interstate Commerce Commission, subject to judicial review. Taft attributed blame for the recent recession, the panic of 1907 to stock speculation and other abuses and felt some reform of the currency. The U.S. was on gold standard and was needed to allow flexibility in the government's response to poor economic times. That specific legislation on trust was needed to be supplemented to the Sherman Antitrust Act and that the Constitution should be amended to allow for an income tax 
Thus, over in decisions of the Supreme Court striking such a tax down. Roosevelt's expensive use of excessive power had been controversial, but Taft proposed continue his policies, but placed them on a more solid legal underpinnings throughout the passage of legislation. Taft upset some progressives by choosing Hitchcock as chairman of the Republican National Committee, RNC, placing him in charge of the presidential campaign. Hitchcock was quick to bring in being closely allied with big ministers. Taft took an August vacation in Hot Springs, Virginia, where he ir- irritated political advisors by spending more time on golf than strategy. After seeing a newspaper photo of Taft taking a large swing at a golf ball, Roosevelt warned him against candid shots. Stay tuned for part two of U.S. President number 27, uh, William Taft.